Welcome to Sonic Serial. Enjoy the vibes. Good afternoon. Welcome to Sonic Serial. I'm Jesse. It's it's 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> you never know. Hi. Welcome to Sonic Serial. <laughs> this is Mark. And in this podcast, we take a deep dive into albums from some of our favorite artists, track by track. Alright, so why don't you give us an intro? Uh, well, today we're kicking it off with our 10th episode and third album, 10,000 Hertz Legend by Air, which was recorded in Paris and Los Angeles and was released in 2001. And today we're focusing on tracks one and two, which are... Oh, electronic performers and how does it make you feel? <laughs> All right, so why don't we start off with an intro on air since this is what we usually do when we um, start with a new album. Yeah, so they specialize in a very diverse form of electronic music, which has roots in 1970s electronica and easy listening and <laughs> films. And films. <laughs> And film soundtracks, psychedelic rock, soft rock, ambient, and pure French pop. They are seen as the pioneers of the down-tempo subgenre. That's a lot of different influences. Yeah, a lot of <coughs> keywords there. A lot of keywords there. And uh, who are Air, for those of... There are two individuals by the name of Sean Benoit Dunkel, a.k.a. J.B. <coughs> Dunkel, and Nicolas Godin. Does he have an AKA? No. We'll just call him NG. AKA Nico. <clears throat> okay. Uh, all right, let's start off with some history. Um, they met in Versailles in, in France while Nicolas was studying architecture and JB was studying mathematics. And in 1995, they and their friends decided <clears throat> to form a band called Orange, which included the artist Alex Gopher. Um, and their first release uh, was the song Modular Mix, which was a solo by Nicolas, produced by Etienne de Crecy. Yeah. You know, can we hear some of that? Yeah. Okay, afterwards, Air signed to Source Records and would periodically release singles and remixes for artists such as Etienne Daho. Daho? Yeah, <laughs> Daho. There's a lot of Etiennes in, in France. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Nene Cherry, one of my favorite um, artists from the 90s, um, and Depeche Mode. And in 1997, they released an EP called Premier Symptome, <laughs> which consisted of chill instrumental down-tempo lounge music that would serve as a precursor to their debut album, Moon Safari. Oh, and let me tell you, we, um, <laughs> the reason we're jumping ahead. Oh, yeah. Because we already recorded when we were um, practicing how to do this. We were doing it for Moon Safari. Yeah, so when we first decided to do a podcast, we decided, let's try with Moon Safari. I, it was good. Yeah. 
but somehow we didn't did we just decided it wasn't good enough to actually no it, but yeah. then listening to our stuff after that but, we could have definitely put it out so if you really <clears throat> want to know about that let us know we might send it to you <laughs> send it we might post it <laughs> you know like We'll post it. <laughs> Get a bunch of thumb drives and yeah. mail them out to people. Okay. So, yes, in 1998, they released their um, uh, very well-acclaimed Moon Safari. And um, this album came after. Yeah. Okay, so it gained critical acclaim and oh moon safari obviously is known for like 60 plus but what else is it um i mean it's still relevant today because i think the last place i heard this song was in. are you knitting down there the The last, what are you doing with your hands? The last time I heard this song was in sex. the TV show Sex Education. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm also covering it myself. On a, on a covers album that you're yeah. doing. I'm yeah, a, I'm about to release, so stay uh, tuned. How would you describe your cover of a sexy boy? Slower, sadder. <clears throat> and about me. And about you. Okay. Uh, so after that, they went on tour and um, became well-known around the world um, with their Moon Safari album. Um, and at that point, they caught the attention of no other than... Sofia Coppola. One of your favorite directors. Yes. Um, and what did she ask them? If if they can do the music for her film. And which film was that? The Virgin Suicides. And what film was it of hers? It's my favorite. No, of hers. What? It was her directorial (laughs) debut. Yeah, it was her directorial debut. It was her first film. Those things mean the same thing. Yes, they do. (laughs) Okay, and... So, yeah, they did the score, and it was influenced by a lot of their favorite film scores, like Michel Grand's Podan, which means donkey skin, and Elaine Gorger's Le Planet Sauvage. So in order to record the album, they used instruments like the Mellotron, which we've talked about before. Who else used the Mellotron? Was it them? Yeah, it was them. <clears throat> okay. Probably when we were doing Moon Safari. Moon Safari, that's correct. Let's play some Mellotron now. Okay. All right. Um, with live drumming to fit uh, kind of the 70s American suburb mood in which the film was set. The score actually saw air tap into the more psychedelic and darker side. Do you believe that or did you just read that? I believe it. Okay. Because... You know, when you start, it's like giving a good impression when you want to put yourself out there at first. You don't all of a sudden. Oh, you don't put your dark side out first, usually. Yeah. Unless you're goth. Yeah. Okay. 
so The Virgin Suicides was released in early 2000 with the single Playground Love, um, which features singing by Thomas Mars from Phoenix, um, saxophone, and a strange music video by Mike Mills, in which a wad of chewed gum is singing through the set of the film. Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah. It's pretty different. Some of the songs have recently been in the TV show Euphoria and the documentary Fire of Love. Do you know which song was in Euphoria? Uh, The word hurricane. Well, the success of their first album combined with exposure to the film world led to meeting more people and collaborations, which helped them record their next album, 10,000 Hertz Legend. Which we're talking about today. Yes. Why? (laughs) 10,000 Hertz Legend is a darker work, just as contemplative and unhurried as its predecessor. Banana Safari. Mm-hmm. But part of a gradual move from drifting, almost pastoral. Melancholy. Are you reading this? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like almost pastoral melancholy. Okay, I wrote this for you, so let me read it. You can, you can read the next section. 10,000 Hertz Legend is a darker work, just as... Com- <laughs> contemplative and unhurried as Moon Safari Um, but part of a gradual move on their part kind of drifting from almost pastoral melancholia um, to a downright postmodern helplessness Um, would you say it's in league with Radiohead? yes can you give me more? (laughs) it's kind of brings you almost to the same atmosphere Okay. Um, I don't know. It's like cinematic in its mood music. Yeah, as you'd say. So, I don't, I can't think of any other artists that, Portishead, Massive Attack. (laughs) Good. Those are good ones, I agree. So, Rolling Stones, Pat Blashill, um, who knows what Pat is doing today, but hopefully not any more reviewing. Um, only gave him two and a half stars on this album, saying that 10,000 Hertz Legend sounded like air trying very hard not to be air. That was um, some shade on Pat. Total shade on Pat. And, like, in a, in a what do you call it, a clapback, what did um, Mr. Godin say? When I say say this in British drag, I meant French drag. I'm not doing any drag. <clears throat> just, so, no. just do your French, come on. No. As it turns out, just they were at least half two, right. Please. We'd already changed our style two or three times already. So basically they were saying, like, so what? We were trying not to be ourselves. We were trying to like change our style. That's my friend. That's what they do. Do it again. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it's like the fish. <laughs> okay. Okay. I would say if you don't play this album loud, you might almost dismiss it as elevator music. Yeah. <clears throat> One, mate. Okay, obviously you and I wouldn't because we no, like no, it. No, no, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Like if it's like quiet and yeah. you would almost think it's like kind of that background music. Yeah. Vibe. I see. All right. <clears throat> Let's talk about the, the artwork. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the artwork. Tell us who who did the artwork. An uh, artist by the name of Boraito Morbito. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he dubbed his creation as the House of Legend, uh, where he listened to the album art. Okay, he listened to the album and drew the cover art or painted, designed the cover art. um, He was only 18 years old. Yeah, he was. No, that's... Um, So about the cover art, uh, it's a... like a very modernist concrete home perched on... uh, on a kind of cliff. Um, and it, to me, it looks, there's some architects called, um, Alan Calla Ferrer Arquitectos from, uh, Argentina. Mm. Um, and it's called Casa MF, which is also Casa my Mark Fernandez. Yeah. Casa motherfucker. <laughs> um, and, uh, those architects, um, designed this concrete house that's suspended over a cliff, and it looks a lot like the like the house on the album cover, um, except the one on the album cover looks like in the U.S. Southwest, like mm. like the Grand Canyon. Oh yeah, um, and it has a large '80s home satellite dish um, perched on yeah. the roof, um, and it also looks like Zaha Hadid's um, Messner Mountain Museum in Italy. Yes. Um, so where did the concept come from? Well, I'd say it's quite Claude Parent means the Jetsons. No. <laughs> the concept. Um, oh. <laughs> the concept came from... The concept came from the idea of having a pirate radio station in a canyon in the desert. And what does it represent? I think it represents, like, futuristic American-influenced music. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> That's saying a lot. Um, so, yeah, it's quite Claude Parent, me suggestions. And who's Claude Parent? He's an architect. Yeah? <clears throat> yeah. He was a French architect, um, polemicist, and theoretician. Polemicist. Yeah, in the 1950s. And he was known for very floating box-like designs. Um, That's cool. What's a polemicist? I was just asking you. <clears throat> it's a person who engages in controversial debate. So. Like they enjoy it? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess if they engage in it, they probably did enjoy it or at least <clears throat> get paid for it. Okay. All right, let's talk about album trivia. Okay. Well, JB said this was the first album. Who's JB? Jean Benoit. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's well, not everyone knows him as well as you do. <laughs> Okay, well, he said this was the first album they recorded on Pro Tools, and they had Have you ever used Pro Tools? Yeah, but it wasn't for music, unfortunately. Mm. It was Mm. just for, like, TV, audio. Okay, so uh, they recorded on Pro Tools, and... And they had an engineer uh, named Bruce King. They needed him to synchronize everything, and... Because there were so many tracks, and it was a new technology, and there was a lot of problems, and sometimes with the plugin not working, it it was risky. (laughs) (laughs) You're going back between first person and third person and second person and like (laughs) God third removed voice. I don't even know, but okay. But they <laughs> they just wanted to use the incredible easy way of editing, like cutting tracks and mixing them. And yeah, they just wanted to experiment with all new digital things. As well I forget as that digital. in the year 2000, digital was still like not what it is today. Yeah. <clears throat> like the iPod didn't exist. MP3s were were just yeah like becoming a thing in Asia <clears throat> um and like BitTorrent and all that stuff was just kind of starting yeah. that's amazing all right do you ever feel like you've done too many tracks <laughs> like have you ever had too many tracks <laughs> um this is my hair i don't wear weaves No, music tracks. Yeah. No, do you ever feel like you have too many like layers, I, like too many music tracks? Of course, yeah, I do. My, I, I think one of my biggest challenges is um, minimizing it down. Kind of like your hair. <laughs> I have a hoarding problem. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't know. I can't let go of anything. Hmm. So you have an editing problem. Because isn't editing removing? No, not really. Uh, well, you're the one who edits these, so I don't know. I edit you? You edit these podcasts. Oh, no, you edit them. No, you do. Okay. Because <laughs> you're trying to make shade <clears throat> on my editing skills. You have great editing skills. I'm just saying that usually you think of editing things out, not yeah. editing things in. Yeah. So you have an issue editing, meaning like you you don't want to let anything go. Yeah, I don't know how I can't cut anything out. Yeah. Including animal cookies. Frosted. Okay, so we just finished that. Now we're going to do the first song. Okay. Which is? Electronic Performers. Thank you.
All right, so let's give an overview of this song. Well, I feel it's a perfect song to commence the album with because the overall styling can be heard throughout the album and it sets up the listener perfectly for what they're about to experience. I mean, yeah, they are shifting segments in the song that may seem out of place once you have settled into the groove, but... It isn't disjointed enough that it feels like another <laughs> completely unique song. What are you on? Did I get the part? <laughs> <laughs> you have not rehearsed this monologue. Damn. <clears throat> okay. Um, I do agree it's the perfect song to start the album with. Um and that it sort of sets the tone for the rest of the album. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So <clears throat> I think that this track um, and the next track kind of feature the same like robot weary vibes, mm-hmm. you know, that like um, that made Sexy Boy um, like a really big hit. Yeah. So it has that same kind of like sci-fi robot-y sci-fi vibe. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like it builds to this drop that never comes, no. you know, like you, you just yeah. want it to drop and it just kind of is more of like a monotone. Like a song. French exit. A French fucking exit. That's right. Well, today this And they're French. <laughs> <laughs> That's a double entendre. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, today they would call this song OnlyFans. Where, why do you say that? I don't know. Because it's called Electronic Performers. <sighs> and today that would be OnlyFans. <clears throat> Get it? Yeah. Okay. So how does it open? With these like pulsating beats. And then it's followed by this rising choir. With these Pink Floydy guitars, and it, but then it mellows out, and you have some piano, and so I feel like the hard electronic beats with the strings and the choir and the electric guitars and the synths and piano, it makes it quite epic. And what about the vocals? I think it's a quite epic mix. <clears throat> Of elements and the vocals are processed and low pitched. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about the um, <clears throat> song meaning or lyrics? It's just uh, a lot of technical speak about making electronic music in a poetic way. Like we search new programs for your pleasure. But now <clears throat> that makes so much sense after having talked about the Pro Tools and the malfunctioning trauma mm-hmm. that they had with yeah. it. So. Research new programs for your pleasure. <clears throat> yeah, to me it feels like it's like a love song to their synthesizers. Yeah. That's going to make for some good artwork. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> Our AI artwork. Come for the IR work, barely stay for the podcast. Yeah. Tell your okay. friends. 
Tell your friends. All right, let's talk about the music video. Is there a video for it? Yeah, but it's unofficial, so it has these digital graphics and sound waves that, you know, are ultimately, they're like moving and they ultimately morph into this x-ray of a body and it ends up on, on a beating heart. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Is that a cat or somebody yelling that time? I thought it was a baby child. <laughs> How are we so high up and yet it sounds like there's like... A cat. Yeah. Okay. Um, it reminds me of the album cover for Joy Division's Unknown Pleasures, um, which I'm sure it's such an iconic album cover. It's uh, yeah. most people know, but it's a black and white data graph. Yeah. Um, Lots of t-shirts. Okay. It's a black and white data graph with these 80s kind of wiggly lines. Um, and they actually were, they represent a signal from a pulsar in space. Mm. <clears throat> so I wonder if, um, I wonder if they it's like sort of took that and on par with air. Yeah. But I wonder if they took that and <clears throat> sort of turned it into like music waves. But now that I think of it, it probably is more space yeah. waves if it's air. And what about live performances? Well, I wouldn't say interesting, but. I didn't say interesting. <laughs> okay. Anyway, there's an interesting performance. <laughs> you just said you wouldn't say it was interesting. There's an interesting performance they did for KCRW. What was interesting about it? Well, I wouldn't say interesting, just... It's like just, Groundhog Day. Just go... <laughs> just cool. Okay. We are electronic performers. We are electronics. And what about remixes and covers, are there? <gasps> no. Hmm. Oh. Okay. <laughs> What about your personal experience with this song? Well, this is the first Air album I bought, and I feel like it's when my taste in music kind of took a shift to, like... <laughs> I thought you were going to say took something else. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. you could say, like, my taste in music took a shift, like, <laughs> it just went downhill. Because of this album. No. <laughs> That's what happened before I got this album. I see. And I was like, oh, this. So what did it, what did it change from? I was just, I think I was just exposed to more. What were you listening to before you sort of. Oh, you know, like top 40s pop. <laughs> got it. Top 40s, like from the 1940s? <laughs> No. Oh, top forty. You know, R and B, TLC. I mean, yes. no shade to TLC. I still like them. But I was Queens. <laughs> <laughs> but I just yes, I was like, there's more music out there that's like more thought provoking. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so on that on that note. <laughs> Let's go to track two. 
how does it make you feel? I am feeling very warm right now. All right, Jesse, give us an overview oh. of this song. It's a melancholic ballad with the finest chorus on the... <laughs> I feel like you're asking me how I want my steak. <laughs> did you write that? I did. Okay, I wrote it for you, but yes, it's a very melancholic ballad with like one of the best choruses on the album. And then you have this computerized <clears throat> Mac voice blending with the human choir so it's like the artificial with the real or yeah. you no, that's yeah yeah the man or <laughs> <laughs> no you calm down <laughs> yeah it's okay. mixing the organic with the synthetic perfect perfectly said I didn't say my personal experience about the last song. Oh, I'm sorry. Just jumped right into the next song. How? Oh, because oh, we were talking about how your music taste changed. And oh, then yeah. we got into TLC, and then you're talking about Beyonce, and who knows what else. <laughs> I was going to say that um, I think the song epitomized, like, I don't know, how old were you in 2000? 11 or 12? Yeah. I was a little older. And, like, during that time, there was, like, all this panic, like, Y2K panic. You I remember, remember that. Yeah, I thought the world was going to end. Um, so, <laughs> I think this song really epitomized, like, that Y2K vibe, you know? Like, where it felt like the past was coming up with the future, catching up with the future. Then, you know, like, computers were always designed not thinking about what would happen in the year 2000 because it seemed so far away. Yeah. And then, it, like, the past caught up with the future. Yeah. And I feel like this song kind of feels like that. Oh, yeah. For sure. Or maybe this whole album. Maybe this whole album. <clears throat> okay, so how does it make you feel? A melancholic ballad with the finest chorus on the album. <laughs> and paired with the computerized Mac voice blending right. with the human choir. It's organic and synthetic. And granite. Fucking Groundhog Day. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's talk about production. Please paraphrase these notes. What can I say? It's melancholic. <laughs> <laughs> and it's built around this... Would you have chat GBC? <laughs> Delicate, <laughs> hypnotic piano melody. No, I read a review where somebody said that the, the, the mel piano melody sounded very delicate and hypnotic, so I just... Well, put that in the notes. Anyway, it's just accompanied by <clears throat> ethereal and dreamy electronic elements. Oh, just ethereal and dreamy? <laughs> <laughs> and and then when they get to the verses, they use a computerized <clears throat> spoken voice, and the chorus is um, has singing from Roger Joseph Manning Jr. Do you and know then. Well, if we find anything he's about like a him, he's like he's a he's a keyboardist. Well, if he's done any other singing, we'll play it now. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm but. saying we'll we'll find it and then we can put it <laughs> insert it in. 
But yeah, he was he was their keyboardist that they toured with, and I think he also played with <clears throat> Beck. Hmm. And how does this song end? It's kind of on a comedic note in which um, where she says, I think you should quit smoking. And so that I, I feel like that shows that Air doesn't really care about taking themselves seriously. Yeah, like they can put in some something that some it's kind of campy. Yeah. Yeah. Smoking. French. A lot of people, they smoke. They do. Yeah. But that's, I feel like, I don't know. I got to keep you by from it. Um, uh, I do think that the, the like the, the kind of retro vocorder kind of vibe of it um, sounded like much fresher in 1996 <laughs> when they yeah. first did it. Yeah. You know, like it's five years later and kind of they're still doing it. Yeah. Which is, I don't understand why that critic was like, oh, this album... They really tried not to try, tried not to sound like air, because I feel like it sounds a lot like their past stuff. Yeah, but I think that's more the first two songs. I feel like it's after the ne- like after these two songs, it starts kind of venturing out into unknown territories. Right. All right. All right. What about the song meaning and lyrics? Well, the lyrics are introspective and personal. They explore themes of love, longing, and the search for meaning in life. Do you agree with that? Because I know you did not write that. Yeah. Okay. Wait, did you write that? I did. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's all over the board. Well, not all over the board, but it's kind of just desperate. Like, why is... Why does this machine tell somebody this every day? Every day? Would you want this stuff said to you every day? It's I like, wouldn't want it said to you. It's kind of like a self-help hmm. track. <clears throat> okay. You can listen to it and feel that somebody out there loves you. And somebody out there does love you. Somebody out there loves you. Trigger warning. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I think it's a um, perfect example of um, their ability to like create really emotional music. Mm-hmm. Um, which is weird because I think some people think of Air as this detached atmospheric electronic band and other people think of them like they're bad you know like the the duets that they or the not duet what is it called the guests that they have yeah collaborations collaborations and like a lot of more of the melodic music and they think of it as like sex music which is very emotional yeah Um, so yeah this this song or this album actually takes it to a deeper heavier level I agree um, and is there a music video for this yeah song? there's a video directed by Antoine Bado Jacquet and it features the model and actress Audrey Marnay and she's sitting and being deconstructed and in the end her head ends up being replaced by a fish wearing a Mickey Mouse hat. That's another artwork prompt. <laughs> yeah. And it's all intercut with these close-ups of this kind of 70s NASA control center, like spaceship kind of yeah. thing from, from that era. Um, oh. And the machine 
is like mal- malfunctioning and wires are burning and it's pretty cool yeah kind of it's kind of i wonder if it was inspired by bjork's all is full of love mm. video but Anyone it also out there knows that let us know in the comments it also gives me 2001 space odyssey vibes uh, yeah which would make a lot of sense because yeah. because it was 2001 <gasps> and who does audrey marnay remind you of <laughs> Didn't she look like Tilda Swinton, kind of? Oh, yeah. Okay. That's all. <clears throat> I just wanted to see... I, I didn't know who she was. Um, <clears throat> she was born in 1980. In Chartres. She was a Chanel model. France. Oh. You knew that and you didn't say it? <laughs> you want me to say everything <clears throat> I know? I wish you would say something you know. Okay. Okay. I know some things about you. Spill it, baby. (laughs) This is not that kind of podcast. Okay, what about live performances? Oh, one of the last times they performed this was in 2017. And uh, no other than Beck made an appearance and this was at the Greek theater in LA I was there you were there yeah for that show yeah in 2017 yeah at the Greek theater yeah in LA yeah (laughs) what'd you think it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> what did you like about it? This performance or... The, what did you like about the show? The show. <clears throat> I... I liked their setup and... Um, yeah, it was a good venue. And a good atmosphere. Actually, speaking of venue... Um, the Greek theater in LA was actually built um, from, like, inspired by the Grecian amphitheaters that were first used in, like, 500 BC. And how does that make you feel? I think it's fucking amazing that, that those, that, like, the Greeks did it right so long ago. <laughs> and, and we're still using their design for amphitheaters today. Awesome. All right, let's talk about remixes. Okay. I feel like you just discounted my feelings. Adrian Truwood. I don't know who that is, but... He did a reggae mix. Yeah, he did a reggae mix of this um, this song. It's pretty cool. So, how does this make you There's also the demo version, which is just instrumental. Hmm. Check it out. I'm sure people have done covers, but none that are notable. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. I, I mean, I did one myself. That was one of the first songs I made. 
Really? Yeah. Like in high school? Yeah. Hmm. Can we hear it? I no. I would. I would if I could. You don't have a copy of it. It's on tape. Like on a cassette tape? Yeah. Is it like in storage or something? I think it's here with me. Oh, all right then. <laughs> but I don't have a tape player. Oh, we can get one by tomorrow. <laughs> Amazon next day. <laughs> Whatever. <clears throat> you think I'm choking? All right, what about <clears throat> trivia for this song? Well, according, according to Tony Hoffer... Who's that? He was the mixer on the album. Mm. <clears throat> um, he was mixing the album in France, and this was the first song he worked on. And it, it gave him a panic attack. And so he said he almost flew back to L.A. after staying up all night and worrying about it and... But <laughs> his confidence was restored when Aaron, the team, called it a masterpiece. That's sweet. Yeah. That would be stressful. <clears throat> I feel like producing a band like them who I feel like doesn't like to be produced. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, <clears throat> I'm sure some people are... Like, make me sound good and make me, you this know, give me like a hit. an American <clears throat> going to Paris. Yeah, it's like a werewolf in London. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say that the spoken <laughs> vocal kind of overlay can be distracting. But um, if you're a Pink Floyd fan, um, you'll probably appreciate the <clears throat> homage to Keep Talking. Yeah. <laughs> and while Pink Floyd acknowledged using samples of Stephen Hawking's voice, yeah, the electronic voice, um, can you do a sample? <laughs> <laughs> oh, check it out. Good evening. We have a packed show for you. I still get nightmares. Rude. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Jane's voice is a nightmare. I still get nightmares. In fact, I get them so often I should be used to them by now. I'm not. No one ever really gets used to nightmares. She's like that nagging friend. I want to play this song over that voice. It sounds like your coworkers. With you, Michelle. I often find myself thinking, oh. I can't wait to see where life takes me in the years to come. With my Anna. Dear Mom, you are my role model. <laughs> I love... Oh, <laughs> Anna Nicole Smith. <laughs> Those are none of the voices that we were looking for. Okay. And you Any... still didn't find one? I'll do it in post. What? It's called the Whisper Mac voice, I think. So, yeah, uh, there's no detail on Ayers' liner notes relating to their sample. Okay. 
Um, yeah, so if anyone knows if they used samples or any computer-generated sampling, um, we would love to know since a Google search did not shed any light on that. Well, it's just the Mac voice. <clears throat> Wait, so you knew this? Yeah, if you have you messed around with the text-to-speech voices on your <clears throat> Mac? But did those exist in 2000? I'm sure there was Apple in 2000. Okay. And it's the same thing like Radiohead <clears throat> used for the... the oh, it's the... Um, fitter, happier. It's the... It's the... What's it called? Um, accessibility voice. Yeah. All right. All right. <sighs> Moving on. <clears throat> uh, it's just an AI love story. Have you seen her? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that where a machine is falling in love with a human. It's like this machine. Wait, a human falls in love with a machine. Yeah, this machine has these unconditional human feelings. What's her name? Tavlo did a song recently. Yeah, everyone does it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Do you have one? (laughs) Yeah. Which one? Well, no. I don't really have any, like, AI love songs, but... Which is weird, because didn't you tell me something about AI? Like, do you, yeah, feel, you think I, the world's going to end <laughs> through AI? I made a song about something like that okay. called Sleeping Animals. On the album? Uh, Sunny and Revoid. One of your best. Thanks. <clears throat> All right. That is the end of this podcast. Yeah. Oh, weird. (laughs) Time flies when you're... (gasps) Okay. Well, thanks. I hope I didn't forget to say anything. What, like, thank you, fans? (laughs) Like, is this your Academy Awards speech? (laughs) (laughs) Your agent? Yeah. Your kids? Your church choir? Yeah. Okay, so what are we going to be covering next week? Trucks three, four, five, which are uh, radio number one, vagabond, and radian. Radian, I think radian is a Japanese <laughs> monster. We'll find out. We'll find out. All right. Good night, everyone. Thank you for joining us for um, good night. Uh, our introduction to Air's second album, third album, <laughs> third album. Second. Second. <clears throat> Which is 10,000 Hertz Legend. Legendary. Mama. <laughs> Goodbye. <Good> night. <laughs> I sound like a fucking idiot on this one. <laughs> okay, I'll stop now. <laughs> <laughs>